0: Well, the curtain fell on the MLS season this past weekend, but not before Atlanta United could provide a triumphant finale in front of their home fans at Mercedes Benz Stadium. In their sophomore MLS campaign, United were crowned MLS Cup champions with a 2-0 win over the Portland Timbers, and we will discuss the final and the team's legacy today on the Footy Talks podcast. My name is Mitchell Tierney, and also ahead on the show today, there will be no shortage of MLS trade talk as MLS teams continue to wheel and deal ahead of the 2019 MLS season, plus a quick look at the women's national team as well. Joining me to do all this from 680 News, it's Michael Leach. Always a pleasure, Michael.
1: Thanks very much for having me, Mitchell.
0: Well, I I think we knew from very early on in the process that this Atlanta United side was going to be something different in the way they selected their designated players and the way people flocked to matches and uh, just their composition in general, the way that uh, their ownership group was, was going to be willing to uh, invest money in the team but uh, I, I don't think certainly myself thought it would get this good this quickly um, but certainly I think safe to say that they've changed MLS for the positive in, in the sense of the way again they built their teams and, and done a lot of things both on and off the field and um, obviously lifting an MLS cuff gives, gives them something tangible in their first couple of years to uh, really prove that this is a you know winning model within MLS and, and a winning model within uh, soccer in general here in North America.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a sign of the times. I think it's, it's the way that things are going uh, with expansion teams. And it certainly, uh, you know, sends a message to FC Cincinnati and Inter Miami and the others, Nashville and, and, and the other teams that will be coming into MLS over the next couple of years that you can do great things. And, and you look at the amount of money that uh, owners like Arthur Blank in Atlanta have put on the table. Uh, in, in terms of building their teams and not just building their teams, but building facilities and, and bringing in, you know, top, top level coaching and, and, and building a great staff, uh, you know, it, it, the, the owners aren't uh, content to just sit around and wait the five or 10 years that it takes to slowly build from being an expansion team into a championship caliber side. As you said, Atlanta's done it in two years. Uh, and that's just that that's having an ambitious owner who uh, is isn't content to take that time. They 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 wanted to step into that market, which Atlanta, as we know, with the uh, with the Braves and the Hawks in particular. And of course, the, the you know, the NHL failing in that market. Atlanta is not a strong sports market, so they really needed to make a splash um, right off the get go. And, you know, we saw it, 73,000 and 19 uh, at Mercedes-Benz Stadium filling that place for MLS Cup. I think it's great for the league and certainly great for that team. And it throws down the gauntlet to everyone else that they have moved the goalposts even further. TFC did it with the Jovinko and Josie signings. Now Atlanta has moved the goalpost even further uh, in what you have to do to be a championship side in MLS.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the not great sports town. My uh, my boss over at SB Nation, uh, Jeremiah Ocean, had written an article uh, before before Atlanta launched, saying Atlanta was a terrible place for MLS to go. And uh, he was laughing this week about all of the uh, all of the backlash he's been getting from that, um, just because of how well, obviously, it's it's done since it hit the ground, but. Um, what did you make uh, of the final itself? Because uh, goals on either side of halftime for Atlanta United from Joseph Martinez and Franco Escobar, and uh, I mean they were the the heavy favorites coming in, and uh, you know it's it's pretty impressive the way they were able to deliver. Because obviously, you know, it ca- kind of similar to Toronto in the sense that they were the favorites both years, but um, you know it took Toronto kind of two tries, and they were able to to really get it done at, at home in that in that first uh, in that first game against Portland.
1: I didn't think it was a great final and I didn't expect it to be a great final to be quite mm-hmm. frank. I mean, uh, as you mentioned it was it was very very much the same kind of scenario as uh, the past two MLS Cups where Toronto was heavily favored and and last year was able to see it out. The Timbers I really felt were trying to use the the Seattle template of 2016 and just <laughs> play for a 0-0 tie and mm-hmm. go to penalties and see what happens. When they when they fell behind, and they didn't play well. There was the giveaway that, that led to the Martinez goal and just some really, really poor set-piece defending on the second goal. Once Portland fell behind, I really felt like they, they didn't have... They were void of ideas to try and find a way back into the game. They didn't really know what or how to approach the rest of the game. Do they go for it and potentially leave themselves open at the back, which would have played right into Atlanta's hands, particularly after the first goal. After the first mm-hmm. goal, you might be able to find you might be able to find an equalizer, you know, win a penalty, something like that, do something off a set piece. With Atlanta, if you go on the all-out attack, they will cut you open and, and Portland ran the risk of being blown out had they completely gone for it. After the second goal, you could tell that Portland just, they knew. They knew that there was no way back into the game. I really felt that once they went down 2-0, they needed to push forward at that point. Just throw caution to the wind. And if you get blown out 4-5-0, it's no different than losing 2-0 in, in a cup final. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I didn't think it was a very good game. I And can, you know, for as poorly as Atlanta played, I really didn't think Atlanta... Or as poorly as Portland played, I really didn't think Atlanta played their best game either. I thought they were a little bit tight, uh, but once they were able to force Portland into a few mistakes, get on the lead, then they started to to really you know be comfortable. And certainly in the second half, they were much much the better team.
0: Yeah, and since uh since Atlanta list lifted that trophy i've kind of noticed a a little bit of chatter about uh kind of the goat conversation the the greatest season of all time and uh that, that surprises me a lot because i'm wondering kind of how how short people's memories are really uh with that statement because you know, I know they tied Toronto's point record and uh, I know they are definitely the, the shiny new thing in MLS but uh, for me what kind of stands out, what kind of differentiates the two seasons, uh, y- you know there's a couple things you can point to but the one for me is that final day of the season Toronto FC were able to go uh, into the bends, you know, in, in 2017 and pick up uh, a result there in that final day of the season that secured them the supporters shield um, and, and you know, got them the points record. Atlanta, when when given the opportunity 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 to do the same and i know um they would have broken toronto's points record but they they weren't able to get it done toronto trounced them at home in that final day of the season and and that that makes all the difference for me is you know being able to to get it done on on that big day in the final day of the season and and lift the supporter's shield because as much as it's not at the same level as mls cup uh you know it's, it's still a very important trophy especially when you can win uh both that and mls cup as well
1: well and to me and, and you talk about the 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 goat conversation and to me i know they finished equal on points and i know they ended their seasons in the same way you know by holding up mls cup to me 2017 tfc is still better because they did win the shield they won everything that was in front of them mm-hmm. and atlanta not Atlanta coming into Toronto and getting blown out the way they did on that last day of the season, A, I mean, that, that game clearly showed that it, it meant something to TFC, and we don't know how much uh, Tata Martino was uh, potentially resting Miguel Almiron uh, because he didn't play in that game at all, and, and that certainly changes the dynamic of the Atlanta team. The fact of the matter is, is they didn't win – all of the trophies this year. Mm-hmm. They, they did win MLS Cup, and it's, you know, it's that North American thing where we really prioritize what you do in the six weeks of the playoffs ahead of the eight months or seven months of the regular season. Uh, and that, to me, this, the Shield should have a lot more weight then than MLS Cup, frankly. I know MLS Cup is the last thing on the calendar and it's you know, you're standing alone at the end. But you know, as we know with every other league in the world in terms mm-hmm. of soccer, it's what you do in the regular season, it's what you do over the long haul. And they weren't able to get the job done. They had led the standings basically the entire season, with the exception of a couple of weeks where the Red Bulls had caught them and passed them and then to fall apart the way they did on that last day of the season. To Toronto FC, the team that they were trying to knock off as the greatest of all time, they couldn't get the job done on that day. And to me, Toronto FC's, uh, Toronto FC's 2017 season stands above the, the Atlanta United 2018 season. But it would, be, it would be a lot of fun to see that TFC team from 2017 in form against this 2018 atlanta united team completely in form and have them go at it in a one-off for a championship i think that would be kind of cool of course it won't happen but uh yeah tfc's still stands above although i will say i think with some of the stories that have come out from atlanta over the last couple of days in the in the wake of winning mls cup I, i think the cup has had a bit of an adventure. I think it, it ended up at the Magic City <laughs> Booty Club, the, yeah. the, the uh, very famous strip <laughs> club. So Atlanta may top TFC in terms of the celebration, although uh, Josie's celebration last year and then and then uh, Jonathan Osorio showing up at uh, the year-end media availability with the sunglasses is pretty epic <laughs> as well.
0: Yeah, they've got a a bit of a ways still to go to to get to Josie level, but uh, certainly they've been in, enjoying themselves, as you said. Um, you know, this is this going to be very interesting now to see what happens with Atlanta United, just because uh, obviously we already know Tata Martino is is headed out. Uh, it really looks like Miguel Maron will be. Following him out the door, there's been a lot of interest from Premier League sides that are obviously not going to sell him unless they get good value for him. But you'd think someone would be willing to spend the money on a player of his caliber with what he's done in MLS. Not sure about Joseph Martinez, but uh, with, again, what he was able to do this season, winning MLS MVP, there's a good possibility he could be on his way out as well. So there's going to be a lot of changes. We've seen Greg Garza already traded on top of all this. So there's going to be you know a ton of turnover with Atlanta. This is going to be a big test for them, and you know one of the one of the reasons I think they've kind of potentially revolutionized the process is because you know MLS is kind of a middleman league. This this ability to bring in young South American players and then potentially sell them off for for great profit and, and bring in other ones, um, you know. But that's it's never easy to follow up something like this, especially you know when you're losing a, a lot of your key pieces
1: yeah a ton of question marks for atlanta and and you know I know joseph Martinez won the won the MVP and he did that based on the fact that he set the single season goal scoring record to me almarone is the the linchpin of that team he is the, he mm-hmm. is the bigger component of that team so I think that and i'm I'm fairly certain especially with Tata leaving i don't I don't know if you've You've read the story, but seek it out. Uh, Almarone's piece that he did, I believe it was for the, the Players' Tribune, he spoke about what Tata Martino means to him. And, and that was, you know, it was Tata coming to Atlanta, and then, you know, it, it was him that really brought Almarone into Atlanta, and it was his pedigree and, and uh, just the respect that Almarone has for Martino and I'm sure that Almarone is not the only one. It's, it's going to be a really interesting time for them as they try and, and get ready for next season. They have to get a manager in place, obviously, and, and do that very soon. As we know, you win the MLS Cup. The offseason is really, really short. So I'm sure that Atlanta mm-hmm. already been looking you know, around and and the, the the search for for a new manager has been on. I, I'm willing to bet ever since Tata made it clear to them that he wasn't planning on coming back. You know, that manager's going to want to put some of his own players in place. I'm willing to bet that Atlanta United, the the South American model, has worked for them. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to bet that they try to continue that on, and they'll go mining in South America for more young players. They'll also need to get a lot more out of Ezekiel Barco than they got this season because his uh Yeah, for sure. You know his performance certainly didn't meet the hype.
0: Yeah, both uh, both on and off the field, uh, with some of the issues that were uh were had there for sure. Um and what we know, uh you mentioned kind of the, the fact that they're gonna have such a short off season. Well we know firsthand that the CONCACAF Champions League makes that that offseason that much shorter, and Atlanta are going to be participating in that as well, obviously getting their round of 16 uh, draw against Costa Rican side Ardiano. This is going to be interesting for them, I think, because we saw with Toronto some of the issues that can happen when you're bringing in players and uh, trying to get them um, you know, acclimatized while you're in such a massive competition, um, especially with Agur Akeche. Uh, some of the other guys were able to adjust a little quicker, but a guy like Akeche was... You know it was hard to get him minutes when they when they're trying to to win such an important competition. Uh, I think especially if you lose a guy like Almeron and you know potentially Martinez before a competition like this, it's it's going to be very difficult for Atlanta to you know go into this and, and make a push. But they could, and it would be very you know maybe maybe we could even see that best on best or close to best on best Toronto FC Atlanta United matchup. I'm I think it would be. Uh, probably the semifinals Semi, yeah, before it would be they the can meet. Yeah. yeah, which would be a, an incredible matchup. But uh, what do you make of them going into this this Champions League campaign? Because as I mentioned, uh, it might be a little tricky for them just because of how much turnover we can expect.
1: Well, I think you you said it right there. It's the amount of roster turnover that they have, and not just roster turnover, but when you lose your manager with such a short turnaround in the off season i I have to be honest with you, I could see them getting beyond the first round. I would be a little bit surprised if they go much beyond that uh i, I could see them losing out i I would imagine they'll play monterey in the second mm-hmm. round i don't I don't see them getting beyond that round to be to be completely honest with you, I just think there's too much upheaval this off season if if they have the upheaval that we expect that they will i mean almarone may not leave i would be stunned if he doesn't leave. But, you know, a new manager, new players, and players in the positions, you know, those those really talented positions where you, you have to have, I just don't see it. I, I don't see them getting much beyond the second round. I could be completely wrong. But uh, I would be surprised if we see TFC versus Atlanta in the semifinal of the CONCACAF Champions League.
0: Well, let's move on then to more roster turnover and uh, some some actual roster turnover that we can be sure of now, and uh, that's with what's been an incredibly busy trade week in in Major League Soccer. And um, let's start with the the loan kind of move for Toronto FC, um, a bit of a smaller one. I mean they. They receive the number two spot in the allocation ranking orders, uh, ranking order for the number six spot, and uh, seventy five thousand in general allocation money plus seventy five thousand in targeted allocation money. Basically, what this means is incoming American or Canadian internationals uh, of of a certain caliber are put into this allocation system, and basically it's like the waiver wire in in other sports. Um, the player gets the opportunity to kind of sign with with all the clubs in the order so uh in theory this would this would look like something where Toronto FC are are trying to bring in an international player probably probably American you would think um who plays uh in Europe you know uh, this could go both ways because that's not a lot of cap money to give up I mean you know it's about a it's a it's about as much as kind of a lower tier player. So this could be something Toronto FC is just putting in their back pocket, or or it could be something that they're that they're making you know more readily available for a move. Is is there kind of any international or um, international based American players that you th- you think Toronto FC might have their eye on just based on uh, you know kind of a fit, or or do you think this might be you know like I said just a um, a move to have in their back pocket, just in case they want to get something done uh, on that level.
1: No, I think this is a move that's a precursor to something bigger for mm-hmm. Toronto FC. I, I don't. I would be very surprised if they don't have something in mind right now in terms of where they want to go with this moving up in in the allocation order. Uh, it, it doesn't seem to me this is this is not a move that you make just on. You know, we just want to position ourselves better. I do think they have someone in mind. I've heard Matt Miazga's name thrown out there. Wow, I don't know whether that is, I don't know whether there's there are any legs to that, but that is Mm -hmm. one name that I've I've heard repeatedly pop up in conversation, and he would fill a need for TFC. You know, there there's definitely a need on this club for a solid center back uh, because we saw last year what happens when you don't have a Chris Mavinga and a Drew Moore together. Uh, and yeah. they did, They only played together twice last year. So you have to have another player of that kind of ilk. And we don't know at, at this age and his, you know, knowing his some of the fitness issues, we don't know how much Drew Moore is going to play this year. We don't know whether mm-hmm. he is going to be an every game week to week starter or whether Greg Vanny's going to have to deploy him more as a substitute or just pick spots with Drew maybe more than he would have done in the past. So Miazga might be a good fit for TFC. He's, he's strong in the air, uh, which might be a good fit if TFC chooses to, say, move someone like Nick Hagland mm-hmm. out, of, out of town. And a team like FC Cincinnati might be looking at a guy like Haglund. Uh, he's from that area, so it, it, it would be a good fit. He'd be going home. Uh, and it would be a good marketing tool for FC Cincinnati. Not that I think they need any strong marketing tools. They they don't seem to have any trouble, or they didn't have any trouble selling tickets in USL. So, yeah. but you know, TFC needs to look at at the center back position, and they'll they'll also potentially be looking for a forward um, to to complement Jovinko and Altador or you know, one or the other, depending on whether one of those guys ends up leaving Uh, right now we're under the understanding from tim bezbachenko that neither one of those players or bradley uh, who i've seen was linked with burnley uh, Mm. we don't believe that any of them are leaving but we'll see what the uh what the winter transfer window holds
0: yeah for sure i'll throw out a couple more names because you know it, it is just pure speculation from my part but jeff cameron is another one who's who's come up uh, kind of consistently, which would make sense, a centre-back who currently plays for QPR on loan for Stoke uh, and a U.S. international as well. Um, Eric Lehigh has come up as well a little bit. I don't see that one making as much sense just because he's a, a right-back and they more need the central defenders. And this one's kind of just pure pure hoping. And um, But I would love to see Junior Hoylet just because they – They've talked a lot about the need for, for a wide type player and Junior Hoyla would fit that bill, but you'd think he'd be pretty expensive. So those are just some other names that uh, I'd kind of add to the add to the pile a little bit just uh you know, just as potential options there as Toronto C obviously potentially does something with this allocation ranking uh, order spot. Let's move on to some of the other deals in in MLS. And Two Canadian internationals are are on the move. Uh, Maxime Crepeau is headed to uh, Vancouver um, to to be part of that new project under Mark Dos Santos. Uh, He was the USL Goalie of the Year last year with the Ottawa Fury and has been a regular with the Canadian men's national team of late. A player who hasn't really been a regular with the Canadian men's national team is Tesho Akindele, who was the 2014 MLS Rookie of the Year. Um, he was traded to Orlando City from Dallas for 100000 in targeted allocation money and 50000 in general allocation money. Um, uh, for me, this is, is a positive for both players. I mean, both players weren't necessarily getting minutes with their um, MLS team. I mean, Crapo wasn't at all. He was playing at the USL level. So uh, kind of a change of scenery and an opportunity for two players who could potentially get themselves you know back into the national team conversation um, with with some new uh with some new digs
1: yeah I mean for Kripo, I think he is definitely going to compete with uh, Zach McMath for the top job in in uh, Vancouver now with Marinovich, uh, you know out of the equation for the white caps I would suspect that he will be the backup uh, McMath is a is a really good keeper and he's also a little bit older uh, I believe mm-hmm. that he would have Easily been the starter and a very good starter in Colorado, if Tim Howard wasn't there. So you know, certainly this is an opportunity for Kripo. Uh Whether he wins the starting job, I, I'm somewhat doubtful, but I would expect him, you know, definitely to to be in line for that backup role. As far as Acadelli goes, it's a bit of a you know, it's a bit of an interesting move for Orlando City because they really have to find some formula or something that works that can get them into the playoffs because they're really starting to mirror kind of the ugliness that TFC experienced over their first few seasons and mm-hmm. just not being able to find a way into the playoffs. It just never the right mix of players. Uh, they've brought in some well-known managers that, that it just hasn't worked. And whatever, you know, I, I, I think it's a bit of a risk for Orlando bringing in Tesho. But uh, obviously they're, they're trying to find something that works, that will, will result in, in them getting to the next level and making the playoffs. Um, obviously they're going to need him to find the net more often than two goals in 20 games, uh, which is what Tesho put up last year. For Tesho himself, you know he's steadily gone backwards from that Rookie of the Year season in 2014. So he is going to be looking to find himself in Orlando as well. It could work out, you know, and if it works out for Tesho and works out for Atlanta, then that, that or uh, Orlando, it's great for, for both sides. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, a bit of a risk there for for Orlando because they really need to find some kind of formula that works to get them to the next level. And, it, you know, obviously uh, they're looking at Ekandeli to... To find to to re find his form that he had a few years ago.
0: Yeah, I'll always remember Akindeli as kind of the first domino to fall in terms of dual internationals picking Canada over other countries. Obviously, I don't think he would have gotten too much of a look with the states considering he's struggled to even get minutes with Canada recently. So uh but but certainly a player that You know, that was an important moment for Canada when he decided to represent Canada over the United States after winning uh, MLS Rookie of the Year. Uh, But there's one trade definitely that stands out above all others in MLS this week, and that's the Kendall Waston deal, which sees him move to Cincinnati in exchange for $450,000 in general allocation money, $300,000 in targeted allocation money, and a bunch of um, other bonuses and, and conditions on that deal, with you know, if he gets transferred out and that sort of thing. Um, this is a pretty good haul for Vancouver, considering, you know, Kendall Waston was a player who made it very public that he didn't want to be back with Vancouver last season. Uh, Kendall Waston ha- has made it pretty clear as well that he isn't overly happy with this move. But, I mean, uh, with, the, with the way he kind of dealt with Vancouver, I mean, you, you have to expect something like this is going to happen, especially in MLS. So, um, you know, Mark DeSantos continues to kind of Continue to tear down the old Vancouver team as he builds up his new one, and this is a a pretty massive one. He's sending his captain uh, or the the former captain of the Vancouver Whitecaps to to Cincinnati.
1: Well, I mean, if 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 Austin's not happy about the the deal, he probably shouldn't have shown his cards. Yeah, when it came to the end of the season, and basically saying that he had no interest in being back in Vancouver. That was his mistake. So he forced the club's hand to move him. The club has to make the best deal that it can. And as we know, when a player makes it clear that he has no intention to return, it really limits what the club can do. Because any potential trade suitors are going to be looking to to completely fleece Vancouver. I agree. I think it's a great deal for Vancouver. I think it's a good deal for Cincinnati if they can get Waston to buy in because they are they are trying to build an MLS-caliber roster. You know, mm-hmm. as far as, as Vancouver goes, they have to rebuild the roster. And they have to, the way things ended last season, and obviously Waston was one that was very vocal about uh, his feelings as to the way things went, and he wasn't happy with the way a, a few transactions were, were handled. And I believe the Robinson firing was one of them. Mm-hmm know they have to dos santos now is going to put his fingerprint on this team and it's important now for vancouver to move forward and try and rebuild that roster into a contending team because uh, they certainly took steps back last year
0: well a continued part of that rebuild is the fact that both kai kamara and nicholas Mosquito both find themselves in colorado now kai kamara found his way in colorado via cincinnati in in that draft um And, of course, you mentioned uh, Zach McMath uh, joining Vancouver and an international roster spot as well. Uh Montreal they've also been a little bit busy in recent weeks. Uh they've acquired veteran MLS forward Maxi Irudi. Uh they did so in exchange for a first round pick in the 2019 Super Draft which is uh 10th overall and 75,000 in targeted allocation money. There's also uh a bunch of stipulations on transfer as well. Everybody uh, as we said it's you know as MLS kind of postures itself more as as a middleman kind of selling league, it seems like more teams are are making sure to get some piece of any transfer that goes external as well, which uh, makes a lot of sense uh, with kind of the way the league is going. But this is a, another positive move, I think, for a Canadian team in the sense that uh, Montreal really needs more goals. They they were, you know, not a very good team in terms of scoring last year. Only scored uh, 47 goals last year, and they had the third fewest expected goals in MLS per American Soccer Analysis. So, um, a team that certainly needed some offensive help, especially from, you know, that center forward position. They had a lot of good scoring from the midfield and in, in some of the players they brought in, and obviously Nacho Piatti, who continues to be. Um, you know, one of the one of the most elite uh, kind of attacking midfielders in MLS. But Rudy's kind of a proven commodity in MLS, and um, I think this is a positive kind of start to their off season as they as well try to try to kind of build on, um, you know, what was a bit of a tear down job last year.
1: Yeah, I mean, Rudy to Montreal is a great move for the Impact. I. Uh, y- yeah you know, Piatti's been a, a bit of an island- you know, to himself he's he's been able to score and he's been able to do a lot of really wonderful things with the impact, but he can't do it he can't carry them to the next level on his own and this is this is a really good move as you know as you said Yerudi should be able to score some goals for montreal uh and and you know particularly now with Mancosu out of contract and, and you know possibly you know out of out of Montreal altogether and in fact it's fairly likely now that Mancosu won't be back with with the impact bringing in a guy like Yerudi to uh to pick up the goal scoring slack there and and even maybe push it a little bit further because as you said they simply did not score enough goals last year um they weren't too bad defending but when it came to goal scoring, there just there wasn't enough for them to be, a, you know, to be considered a serious contending team. Uh, I believe that Maxi Arutyun will will certainly help the impact uh, in that vein.
0: And finally, before we move on from MLS trade talk, uh, we, we've discussed a little bit about the fact Cincinnati have acquired Kendall Waston and what that could mean for them as they build their inaugural roster. They also selected Darren Maddox, Roland Lama. Eric Alexander and Hassan Andam in the uh, expansion draft, as well as uh, the aforementioned Kai Kamara, who was then traded to Colorado. They've also acquired Greg Garza from the MLS Cup winning. Um, at lancy united and they have fernando Adi, uh as their designated player who they acquired previously um, it seems like you know this is a pretty positive start for them in terms of having a bunch of mls proven guys brought in uh, some you know reasonably expensive mls guys as well in terms of uh, targeted allocation money players and, and that sort of thing. Um, so it's you know it's it's very early and we haven't seen exactly what their what their full plans are in terms of designated players and some of those more key players. but in the early going it kind of seems like they're trending more towards an Atlanta than a Minnesota, not necessarily the same model as Atlanta United, but um, you know a team that could hit the ground running a little bit better than um, you know Minnesota did in their first season.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, yeah, obviously, you're going to want to trend to more towards Atlanta. They just yeah. <laughs> they just held up the MLS Cup. So, mm-hmm. uh, and again, I think Atlanta has, you know, set the bar, not just for expansion sides. They've set the bar f- for the league now. Uh, moving into 2019, they they are the team to catch right now. I don't know whether they will be at the start of the season. We have to see how all of the moves play out. But yeah, certainly Cincinnati is is looking to you know make a splash and come in and compete in the first year. I don't think an expansion team, you know, and I don't think the fans in Cincinnati expect to win MLS Cup next year. Mm-hmm. But I I I certainly believe that fans of expansion teams with LAFC making the playoffs this year, Atlanta making the playoffs last year, and then we've seen what they've done this year. The expectation from fans of these teams is that you are going to come straight out of the box and you are going to compete for playoff positioning. And the owners are ambitious. I believe the owners in Cincinnati are ambitious, and they've shown that they want to build an MLS caliber an mls quality roster that that can compete week to week. Uh, I believe that there the, there should be some optimism in Cincinnati. I I don't know it's, it's very difficult to see how all of these pieces will mesh together once you once you actually put them all on the field together, but you know, it certainly seems like they are they're trending in the right direction.
0: Yeah, it does. Um well, let's move on to to our final segment uh talking a bit about the canadian women's national team as they had their world cup draw um this past week and uh found out kind of their path to the knockout stages in the in the women's world cup and uh it's it seems a little bit like deja vu certainly for the the women's national team as they draw a very similar group to the one they had in 2015 when they were the hosts. Uh, um, for that World Cup, New Zealand in their group uh, once again, uh, Netherlands and Cameroon, who um, was is the only different team they had. China in their group in 2015, so that's the only difference from their from their group. Um, what we found out uh, in 2015 was that this is kind of a tricky group, but uh, also I think a winnable one for the Canadian women's national team. I think they would have to be at least uh, reasonably pleased with with this group in terms of maybe avoiding some of those, um, those higher-tier pot two uh, sides that they could have potentially met up with, uh, such as uh, Sweden or that, that kind of caliber of team.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> New Zealand and Netherlands, we thought, you know, would be, a, would be an, a fairly easy ride for Canada back in 2015, and they ended up drawing both of those games. I, I do mm-hmm. think that, the, that it's a little bit different this time. I think there was a lot of pressure on that Canadian team in 2015, and they had a rough game with China in the opener. I think they had to it was pick up a late Christine Sinclair penalty to win that game, if memory serves me correctly.
0: Yeah, a questionable one of that. <laughs> it,
1: it was very questionable. I do think that Canada is uh, is a higher quality than both New Zealand and, and Netherlands, uh, and I, I do believe that they do need to respect both of those teams f- for sure. But they should be able to win this group. To me, the interesting one is Cameroon. Mm-hmm. They, they're, a, they're a complete unknown. Um, listening to some of the players talk you know, after the draw and saying, we haven't ever seen this team. We don't know what they're about. We don't, we don't have much information on them. That can be a bit of a dangerous thing from what I understand. They might be a fairly big side and they might be loaded with pace which it'll be interesting to see how Canada is able to deal with that but in terms of quality you have to think that the Canadians are, are in a much better position they should they they need to respect all of these teams but they shouldn't fear any of them and i would be very surprised if Canada doesn't win uh doesn't win their group
0: and before we you know, wrap up here. Uh, Christine Sinclair, she was named the Women's National Team Player of the Year for the fourteenth time. Um, there were definitely some some other names in that conversation for sure, and uh, some people were we're kind of surprised that it was Sinclair again but you know i think it it was fairly deserving she stepped up at some big times for canada especially during that world cup qualifying uh, campaign there were a couple games where canada against some opponents that uh, you know they they should have really dominated were struggling and sinclair scored some big goals to kind of wake up the national team and some of those games where canada won you know 5-6 nothing wouldn't have been the same if if sinclair hadn't have scored some early goals and you know getting much closer to that Abby Wambach mark for for most goals of all time, so um, you know a big uh, a big couple years for Sinclair now as she kind of tries to put a positive book on end on what's been an unbelievable uh, career.
1: Yeah, I mean, I th- I think she's completely deserving of the award too. I, I think if you were to go through and and if you've listened to what any of the players have said over the last little while, particularly the young ones. Christine Sinclair is still very much the leader of that team. She mm-hmm. is she is the leader of the band. Um, there are very dynamic, very talented players coming up that you know certainly can challenge Sinclair as as she gets older. But she is still, I believe, the straw that stirs the drink. To use that cliche, uh, as you said, it's going to be an interesting couple of years because. Or, this could be her swans, her you know, 2019 could be her swan swans song with, mm-hmm. with the national team. Uh, we'll see if, if she breaks the womback record in France. That might be it. I don't know. What else is there for her to prove? I mean, it's hard to see them being able to top the bronze medal performances from London and Rio in 2012 and 2016. Her legacy is cemented. She is the greatest, probably the greatest Canadian player of all time, men or women. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly on the, on the, on the world stage. Uh, there's not a lot left for her to prove other than, you know, trying to win a gold medal or, or trying to win. I, I would be very surprised if they win the World Cup. Yeah. But, you know, they'll contend. And so that, that brings you to 2020. Can they win a gold medal at the next Olympics? probably doubtful cuz they're they're close but they're I just don't see them I mean the, the US and we saw it at the at the uh the CONCACAF tournament the qualifying tournament that just happened um down in in, in the states mm-hmm. you know they're a very very good team and they can blow most of CONCACAF away but when it comes to the US I just don't see them getting past that, you know, getting past that hurdle. Could happen. Anything can happen on, on any day. But I really don't think for, for Christine Sinclair, there's not much left to do to, to cement her legacy any further other than getting to and surpassing that Abby Wambach record. And, uh, you know, once she does that, it's probably a good time to say goodbye
0: yeah, I'd agree. Uh, I mean, I I would think that she will stick around for 2020 just because of kind of the, some of the moments she's had in the Olympic, uh, you know, you know, in the Olympic Games. And um, the fact that it is just one year after this summer's World Cup, I think if there was a two year gap maybe and she broke the one back record, she might not stick around. But uh, you'd think she will just because, you know, that's kind of um, it just makes sense given the timing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think we'll we'll wrap things up there, Michael. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks again for joining me. Thanks very much for having me, Mitchell. Anytime. And uh, to the rest of you, it really does seem like MLS silly season is is just getting started. And as has been mentioned and already proven, the the Canadian sides will be very active in MLS silly season this year. There's all kinds of moves yet to be done. Uh, some of these moves hint at more moves yet to come. So uh, we'll have all that for you on. Following editions of the Footy Talk podcast. But until then, thank you everyone for listening.